Good morning and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren for May the 19th. Thank you all for joining and I hope you are doing well. We are recording this on May the 14th, so things may have changed since we recorded it. Just a couple announcements. Bible study continues on Tuesday night. We will be going on with our work in the first letter of John. We will be picking up on chapter 3, verse 11 this week. Feel free to join. We love to have new people coming on. We use Zoom, so check out your email for all the login information. You can also give us a call here at the church or send us an email if you need any help. It starts at 7 o'clock, but we open it up at 6 o'clock so we can give people extra help getting on or if you just want to hang out and talk. I am on three days a week, including today if you're watching this on Sunday, on Facebook Live. It's 9.30 on Tuesday and 10 o'clock on Thursdays and Sundays. So feel free to drop in and visit. If you don't have a Facebook account, that's right. You don't actually need one to see the videos in our post, so you can come check us out. And if you go on and you have an account, say hi. I love it when people say hi. Our music for today, Bev will be playing Shout to the Lord. It's by Darlene Zeshek, and I hope I'm saying that right. And the arrangement is by Jerry Ray. Janice will be doing Home by Chris Tomlin. And our hymn today is Day by Day, Dear Lord. The words are by St. Richard of Chinchester, and the music is by Harold Friedel. I want to thank all of those who have continued to support the work of this church with donations and with tithings. Thank you so much. You're making it possible for us to continue our work. If you are willing and able to, please just mail it into the here at the church, and we'll make sure it gets to the right spot. Or if you have a key, you can stop in and drop it off at my office. I'll make sure it gets to the right person. Will you please join with me as we enter into this time of worship with music and prayer?
if you'll pray with me. Holy One that guides us in our lives, we ask that your will and directions are clear to us, that our hearts are open to your still, quiet, small voice. We know that you push us to be better Christians, to be better people. It can be hard for us. We are a fearful species, new spaces, new people, new work, new things. They are frightening, and we prefer surroundings that we know. But you call us to the horizon, towards the world that lives under your will, not ours. Give strength to our limbs and to our hearts as we journey closer to you and further from the familiar. Help us to fulfill our callings. We lift up our brothers and our sisters to you in prayer. Those who need your healing, need your presence, and need your comfort. We pray especially for Pauline and Karen. We lift up those who are alone right now. We know this is a scary time. We pray for your presence and courage to be in their hearts. We ask for safety for those who continue to work in our world to make sure that we are able to live despite this disease. We lift up things of joy, even in this scary time, for flowers, for grass, for new life for babies, for loved ones. We pray all these things in the name of the Son. Amen. This world is not what it was meant to be. All this pain, There's a better place waiting for me in heaven. Every tear will be wiped away. Every sorrow and sin erased. We'll dance on seas of amazing grace in heaven. streets are golden every chain is broken oh i wanna go oh i wanna go
Where the streets are golden, every chain is broken. Oh, I wanna go. Oh, I wanna go home. Wherever fear is gone, I'm in your open arms, where I belong. Blinded eyes will finally see the dead will rise on the shores of eternity. The trump will sound, the angels will sing. The streets are golden, every chain is broken. Oh, I wanna go, oh, I wanna go home. Where every fear is gone, I'm in your open arms, where I belong. Where I belong, I'm going. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. This is immediately after the story of Downing Thomas. After these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Galilee. He showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was him. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it out. And now they were not able to haul it out because there were so many fish. That disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from land, about only a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of fish, 153 of them, though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and, and sorry, gave it to them and did with the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
Thank you, Lord, for this word. Amen. How do you make the transition from preparation to implementation? That is, how do you go from when you're training and getting ready to do things to actually doing them? Now, the disciples, they had three years, give or take, following Jesus around. And they had recently experienced the cross and the death and then the empty tomb and the resurrected Christ. But now, what are they supposed to do? You probably experienced this in your own life at some point. You know, like when you graduated, say, from high school or college or, or some kind of tech program, anything like that. How do you know to move out of that education system and into working? You probably had a little help, though. You had a career advisor, for instance, or a school counselor of some kind, or you, you had a friend of the family, or maybe even a, a family member who knew of a place that you could go. Or there was a system in place. I remember when I, I graduated from seminary last year, you know, I had a system that I was able to tap into in, in the Church of the Brethren that helped people who wanted to enter the full-time ministry or wanted to enter ministry in general find churches that were looking for people who wanted to be in the ministry. I was lucky. I had that system. It took a little time. It took about nine months, but it did exactly what it was supposed to, and, and I got from point A to point B pretty easily overall. The disciples didn't have that. They didn't have connections. They didn't have systems. They didn't even have a structure where they could look at and say, that's how that person did it. We can just kind of copy them. No. They had one person they could kind of look at. They had Jesus. But let's face it, when you are comparing yourself to the incarnation of God on earth, you're going to fall a little flat. They needed to build something basically 100% completely new. And that's a scary thing. So what did they do? Well, they did like a lot of grads do after graduating. They went back home. That isn't a bad thing. This is what they needed to do. So they went home to Galilee. I spoke a little bit before in other sermons about the hero's journey. It's a, a way of viewing a character's story through a fairy fairly regular series of events going from, from the beginning to the end. Now, I use this as a, a framework to help us look at the disciples' stories in the Gospels because in many ways the Gospels do follow the way it works. The journey describes the way hundreds of thousands of stories that we humans have been telling since the beginning of time, how they kind of all follow this similar pattern, and the reason those we can apply to the Gospels to something that happened is because, well, stories reflect real life. A hero's story, though, always ends where it begins. They go through all these changes in their journey, and they come back to the starting point. I'm a nerd, so I might put it this way. Frodo and Bilbo always come back to Bag End in the Shire. 
The Pevensey children always fall out of the wardrobe at the end. And here's one for those who aren't quite the dork like me, but maybe like old literature. Jane Eyre comes back to Mr. Rochester. The disciples return to the Sea of Galilee. They return to what they've always done before Jesus came, throwing their nets over the side of the boats, catching fish. In fact, it was the exact action that some of them were taking when Jesus called them out. Perhaps. Perhaps they were just going back to what they knew best because they needed to eat. They needed to still live. Perhaps they knew this wasn't a long-term thing. Perhaps they just weren't even looking long-term. They were just looking to what they needed for tomorrow. The thing is that these seven men, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and the two unnamed, they were not the same people who once fished these waters. They're like adults when they go back to visit their old high school. It just isn't the same. Your worries, desires, friendships, they're all different. You are different. It's like taking your kids to visit your grand, their grandparents, your parents, and they go to play in your old toys with your old playhouse. They seem a little smaller now, don't they? We change. The disciples changed a lot in those three years. I took today's title, You Can't Go Home Again, from a novel published in 1940 by Thomas Wolfe. The novel is about a young author who struggles to find a new home after he's driven out of his hometown. He had written a book about the people in his hometown, and they didn't like it. He spends the rest of the novel looking for home again struggling to find what he once had. It's about how nostalgia is simply that, a fond memory. You can't return to it. Our lives are like that, though. Lives move forward like time. It's one direction. Now, this attempt to return to comfort is cut short by Jesus. Perhaps if he hadn't come... Perhaps they would have grown bored with this, this fishing again, and they would have gone on and done the ministry they were called to. Perhaps Jesus just came in to make sure that, one, they knew that Peter was supposed to be in charge and doing his job, which he does in this visit, but also to make sure that they were ready for Pentecost, which is going to be coming soon. Or perhaps they just really were lost. And Jesus was coming in like that school guidance counselor and giving them direction. Now the disciples, from here, with the help and training of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit, were able to begin the church. It wasn't an easy thing to do. They fought and argued with one another and the people who would be joining them afterwards. They fought and argued with temple authorities, Pharisees, Romans, Greeks, so on, so forth, etc., etc., etc. But through all of this, they managed to create a community that had never been seen before and has lasted now into two millennia. We change as time passes, sometimes more quickly, sometimes slowly. 
and we struggle to hold on to something that we know, something of our past, a comforting memory, perhaps. Because it is a fearful thing to go into something new, but living in the past has no real satisfaction. It quickly grows dull, and we cling to it because dull and safe seem like a better bet than new and uncertain. But I posit, there is a reason our hearts yearn for something more. The gift we received on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, it pushes us. God does not call us to the same old, same old. Like the disciples throwing their nets into the seas, we no longer get what we seek by returning to the past. It's only when Jesus comes and gives them new direction that their labors bear fruit. Sometimes we just have to take that leap of faith. God knows our hearts, though. He knows what we need. When they reach the shore with their fish, they find Jesus already sitting next to a fire, cooking them breakfast. He gives them the bread and the fish in a way that is sure to remind them of the thousands of meals that they had as a small group. A meal that may even remind them of some of Jesus's most miraculous works. It's comforting. It isn't wrong to remember, to return to the times of comfort, but Jesus doesn't stay. It is no longer time for him to be there. You can't live in the memory of the old days. You have to move forward. They needed to move on and continue the work of the kingdom of heaven. I can't say what this means for you. I can't tell you where your hero's journey is leading you. But what I can say is that you are not going it alone. Yes, the new is uncertain. But the fact that you have the Holy Spirit walking with you isn't. That's just certain. Yearning in your heart, that yearning just may be God whispering into you. It is time. It is time for you to step towards the work I have set before you. I prepared you for this. It is time to stretch yourself. It is time to look towards the kingdom of God. Thank you.
as you journey into your week, may your heart be filled with the courage of the Holy Spirit. And may you be ready for the work God has set before you. Amen.